Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Ego Chat Podcast. My name is Preston Byers and as always I'm joined by my co-host Justin Binkowski. And on today's episode we have a lot to talk about. Uh, we have the final week of qualifying matches before the third major of the Call of Duty League season. We also are previewing the third major of the Call of Duty League season. Uh, we got an update from Jacob Wolf about uh, CDL fees and how much the CDL teams are actually uh, paying for the their league slots. Um, and we had uh, some tiebreaker drama, some uh, maybe a little bit of promotion of, of throwing by the, the CDL themselves. Uh, but before we get to any of that, how are you doing, Bank? I'm doing well. Yankees are winning right now. Avs are winning right now. So it's a good night. It's a good night indeed. It is a hot night in Youngstown, Ohio, it's uh, it's not great, but this is going to be my life essentially for the next three months until the CDL season ends and we don't have to do the podcast anymore because I'm going to be sweating it out uh, for the rest of the season, I believe. Um, let's talk about the, the uh, Jacob Wolf uh, report. So uh, Jacob Wolf, um, great esports reporter, uh, he posted uh, at um, the Jacob Wolf report, uh, his Substack. Uh, his story was Activision Blizzard is owed approximately $400 million in franchise payments for Overwatch and Call of Duty leagues. Um, obviously the Overwatch League, another one of active, uh, Activision Blizzard's franchise leagues, uh, but because we're a CDL podcast, um, I think a lot of our fans would only really care about the CDL. Um, and, and Jacob, he reported, uh, quote, in the Call of Duty League, teams owe an average of $22.5 million each, sources said, after making just the initial payment of the league about $2.5 million prior to the COVID outbreak in 2020. Payment terms for Call of Duty varied, with the franchise price starting at $25 million, as reported by ESPN. Uh, and the annual payments for both leagues were deferred in fall 2020, when Activision Blizzard pushed them to fall 2022 as a part of its COVID relief measures for teams, according to the Washington Post and confirmed by the Jacob Wolf Report. There's an ongoing discussion how uh, now to potentially put those payments off longer, potentially to early 2024, sources said Activision uh, Blizzard uh, declined to comment on Friday. So I think that uh, because we've talked about it even somewhat recently about teams putting money into the league and putting resources into their own teams. But now that Jacob is reporting that these teams, so we have 12 CDL teams and on average, they owe $22.5 million each. Um, that's like oh, a really big number, obviously. Uh, what was your reaction uh, to this report? And like, I don't like I, I just I kind of want to get your thoughts on it before we talk about anything else. Yeah, so this isn't necessarily the first time it's been reported that payments were deferred. I think the Washington Post reported on it first. Mm -hmm. I just think this is the first time we've had the actual number. Yeah. So we, we knew payments were getting deferred, so that's not necessarily surprising, but it is uh, somewhat surprising just how big of a difference it is between how much has been paid uh, versus what is still owed to this point. And... My biggest reaction, which might be different than some people's, is that there have been a lot of, you know, memes in the community, whether people are serious when they say it or not, who are like, oh, $300 million league. Oh, this team paid $25 million for this spot to play this game that's broken, like stuff like that. Well, they actually haven't. They've only paid $2.5 million. And I mean, sometimes you pay for what you get and... You know, if people are unhappy with the product of the CDL, that that could be, you know, I'm, I don't think it really has much of a correlation, but, um, you know, it, it's worth pointing out. And I, I just think on, on some level, it's it certainly makes sense to me because of, you know, the world climate, everything that's been happening in recent years. But at the same time, for if if you're not like optic and phase. Like we, we've talked about Paris enough on this podcast. We'll just use them for an example right here. If you're a team that's been really struggling and you've only had to pay $2.5 million so far, this deferred payment, if depending on how long it continues, it, it could be a way out for them and try and sell the spot. And um, 
move on if, if things continue to not work out for the organization. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, those teams that maybe, uh, especially the non-endemic esports organizations like Paris and Minnesota, like the the people coming in to Call of Duty and trying to make a name for themselves, uh, I think they are the most likely to try to want to get out of this um, not saying that Paris or Minnesota would do that but I think that if you're not a part of this community before like a phase or an optic or and we had envy uh, before the merger and everything we had these organizations that had uh, been long-standing members of the Call of Duty community and had fielded teams for years and years but when those team other teams come in and they haven't been a part of it and they're supposed to invest $25 million, more than $25 million, because the $25 million was just for the franchise slot. Then you have whatever is, you know, whatever you're paying your team, whatever paying your support staff, et cetera, um, to like run this organization essentially. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Like Paris, uh, personally, like we, t we talked about it, is like maybe they don't have. Maybe they don't want to invest because they're probably not making a lot of money because esports organizations, um, you know, by and large, don't make money. Like they're not profitable. As uh, like almost all of the esports organizations, like at the top end, are reportedly not profitable. Uh, but like especially these teams that are supposed to be paying uh, multi-million dollar um, investment franchise fees. Like, I don't know how much of an invest, uh, incentive they have to invest further into the league if they don't want to pay $100,000, $200,000 to a Call of Duty player. I, I kind of understand that. Um, but I also am frustrated as a fan and as someone who covers the league and watches the league and wants it to succeed. But I, I get frustrated by just the fact that, like, they're – it doesn't seem like these teams are in it for the long haul. And I guess uh, maybe this could be a way out. I'm not sure. Obviously, they would probably need to sell the slot and then somebody else has to take on the brunt of that um, of those franchise fees. But um, it's a really difficult situation to imagine that we are – this is the third season of the Call of Duty League. Um, and most of these teams have – barely made a dent into their franchise fees nearly three years in yeah and i mean i i am certainly not a business reporter yeah. or business expert by any means so if i say something ignorant I don't, I don't think i will but if i do i apologize but um that that's always been my approach to this it might be a little more optimistic than some cdl fans but um, I've always had the outlook that this is not something where these teams investing, regardless of deferment, are trying to make a return on investment on $25 million overnight. Mm -hmm. It is something that at least the teams that are in it for the long haul, and you can debate who those teams are, um, that they're, they're trying to build something here. And, you know, I obviously was not alive or around when the major... Uh, sports in the U.S. like the NFL, NBA, and MLB were first getting started, but um, I, I would assume for the most part there there was a general consensus that that was just like the approach that some of most of the franchises were having. I mean, again, could be wrong, wasn't around then, but um, I feel like there's, you know, with what minimal business knowledge I have, that's just the smartest approach to something like this when it comes to a large investment and a potential uh major franchise that could blossom into something, you know, like the New York Yankees, Dallas Cowboys that are making billions of dollars a year or worth billions of dollars, whatever it is. Um, so um, obviously I certainly hope college gets there that, that to at some point, but then that's not where it is right now. And I, it's not even really close to being there right now. It's, it's going to be a long process if it wants to get there. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, I think the deferments can be looked at as a positive and maybe a negative. Obviously, the positive because of the situation, the league understanding and not being, you know, it would be, it'd be a very bad story, in my opinion, if, if we were, you know, sitting here talking about the league forcing franchises to pay millions of dollars in the middle of the COVID pandemic. You could argue, maybe not, depending on some of the owners and how rich they are, yada, yada. But um, 
yeah, there, there's a lot of sides to all this. And like I said, now I'm really not a business expert, but that's just how I feel. Yeah, it's um, like esports as a whole is in a, in a very young thing, like especially comparing it to traditional sports. Uh, the NBA is in its 75th season. The NFL uh, just celebrated like it's a hundredth season not too long ago. Um, like and and those in comparison to other sports like soccer has been around for hundreds of years and been played uh, for hundreds of years in different countries and whatnot like these these professional sports leagues in America are relatively young and esports is even younger like the CDL popped up in uh 2019 so 2020 was the first season of the CDL uh, and, and a very unfortunate year, obviously, to start your your Call of Duty league. But even competitive uh, Call of Duty, like as we know it, like if you want to go back to like the very first Call of Duty game or Call of Duty Two or something, like it's less than twenty years, probably may around twenty years. Like that's nothing in the grand scheme of things. And while I do think it's uh, a ridiculous thing to ask or for teams to put up $25 million to get into a franchise Call of Duty league when Call of Duty has long struggled to like find the momentum to keep viewership to like really engage uh, the player base and the fan base. Well, I think that's ridiculous. This is something that everybody agreed to. All of these 12 teams, um, you know, uh, you know, we have different owners now because Boston came in. So, like, I think personally, the fact that Boston came in to the Call of Duty League after the, uh, you know, the pandemic pretty much shut down everything and online events were the standard. I, I personally think that Boston coming in and investing into the CDL, maybe they're not paying anything right now, but to like at least vow to pay something down the road i personally think that's a good sign for call of duty um and i think like you that if you're starting a franchise league in a place that's never had franchises before so like competitive call of duty was kind of like the wild wild west like most esports communities where you have all these organizations there's not a lot of like sanctioning bodies like nobody's really like keeping these organizations in check to make sure that they're on the up and up. So now we we're trusting Activision Blizzard to do that. Um, but I think like personally that you're at the very beginning of this, it's going to be hard. It's especially going to be hard when you go through a pandemic. Everybody is, everybody's okay with like making sacrifices, I think, um, in the short term and maybe even the long term. Like if you're going to lose money, you might lose money for 10 years, but then the next 10 years could be, could wipe out everything. Like right now we see with the NFL and the NBA, like they, like the, it, all of it is like media rights. That's all they're really selling at this point, but they're making so much money that they don't really even know what to do with it. And I think that's what the uh, competitive call of duty and what other esports organizations and leagues, they need to focus on like, all right, we might lose money for five years, but man, 2030, we're going to make a lot of money and that's how we got to we got to take it it's a it's a long-term approach and if they're looking at the short term then they're probably going to fail and you know we could probably talk about this for a long time but mm -hmm. um we got a lot of matches to go through but i just have two more things i want to bring up real mm -hmm. quick um on, on one side you know it has been discussed not by any like official parties or anything like that but like fans um, the community saying like what what's you know is is there a potential for the you know the old MLG slash CWL days of like open tournaments returning, kind of like um, you know and we we see now in Halo competitive although I don't know much about Halo competitive I just know that's what they're doing over there now um, with these deferments and the leagues you know the teams not being extremely heavily invested quite yet um, it, it could be something that happens we obviously don't know and um i i don't think that's what they want to do because obviously activision wants to continue to make money and most of these teams it seems like are invested in the franchise model at this point um but that could be something that we see down the road and on the other side of that is the cdl as you mentioned has been around three years now and for those three years it has arguably been, wow arguably have been three of the worst Call of Duties from a fan perspective in 
the franchise history. So having invested with these deferred investments, only 2.5 million reportedly during an era where the games aren't heavily liked, viewership might be down, you know, all that jazz, like that's probably the best potential outcome. Um, obviously there are certainly better outcomes where despite the game being bad, viewership is still booming and all that. But, um, that just brings up, you know, what what happens here if we actually get a good game, maybe not even next year, but just down the road and, um, you know, viewership starts spiking and all that. Like, there, there's just so much here um, involved in this, and I, I think it's going to be something we'll be talking about for future episodes on this podcast for a long time. Yeah, definitely. I don't want to spend any more time on it because I have a lot of thoughts, but uh, we have much more to get to and uh, we have the off season to talk about uh, some of this stuff as well. Um, let's get to the qualifying matches. Uh, so we had uh, 10 qualifying matches, the final 10 uh, matches before major three uh, on Friday, we had three uh, Paris versus Toronto, Seattle versus Florida and Minnesota versus Atlanta. I don't really have much to say about Seattle and Florida or Paris and Toronto um, because uh, you know, those results weren't, uh, that surprising, uh, all things considered. But Minnesota versus Atlanta, we both went with FaZe, and Minnesota swept FaZe, which I think I saw someone say that it was the first time that they had been uh, they had been swept like this lineup uh, for FaZe. Yeah, that's what I saw too. That was the first time the Simpa BZ Cell R-City's Core 4 uh, has been 3-0'd. Yes. So that's a... That's a huge deal, and th this also was Minnesota's fifth and final win of the qualifying uh, the stage. So they are five and zero, the only five and zero team, and this is their first uh, set of qualifying matches with this roster. Um, what do you think of this match? Because I mean, we both predicted that Faze would win, and even if you know we thought that Minnesota could, a three zero didn't seem very possible. No, that that's my biggest takeaway is you know Atlanta or sorry Minnesota were four and zero coming into this, so if if you told me they squeaked out a three two win somehow I probably wouldn't have been too surprised. I would have been somewhat surprised, but not like over the top surprised. Um, but certainly you know in comparison to their performance at their own major in major two where they got knocked out first round, if I'm remembering cor correctly, um, it's a pretty big turnaround for them since the addition of Havoc. So. Um, they are the only undefeated team coming into the major, if I remember correctly. And they, you know, they got to prove this wasn't just, you know, online qualifiers and show that it can translate to land because, um, we did see this lineup at the pro-am and they didn't make it to the bracket, right? I believe so. Yeah. So, um, that's my biggest takeaway. I want to see more from the squad. Um, obviously, I feel like this game attaches looked better on an AR than a sub. Um, even though he, he was playing well with a sub, he's just been playing really well with an AR. So the addition of Havoc frees him up to do that um, on a more regular basis. And um, him running around with Standy is a pretty good sub duo. Then you got Priesta, you know, that flex role, which is kind of more um, not necessarily a huge flex. But um, regardless of that, I, I think this is... Uh, it's a good place for Minnesota to be. Obviously, 5-0 is the best you can do. Um, but they have to translate the qualifying, their play from these qualifiers into results at the upcoming major. This win um, for... Oh, no, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, this win kind of legitimized Minnesota in my mind because before this, they had beaten Florida, they had beaten LAG, LAT, and Toronto in their first four qualifying matches. No offense to those teams, but I'm not really thinking that those wins mean a whole lot like for not every four and oh is created equal um sure. and you know those four wins aren't like the most impressive there it's a great thing to have but to beat atlanta uh on top of that and to sweep them especially like that's very impressive to me it also makes me kind of doubt or maybe think that atlanta is not that good like, you know, they're, I'm not saying that they're even like the fifth best team. I'm saying that maybe they're not like a, a championship contender right now, like the way that they're playing. I looked at their first, their five matches, 
during this stage. So obviously they got swept by Minnesota in their last game. They beat Boston 3-0. Boston went 1-4 in this stage. They beat LAG 3-1. LAG went 1-4 in this stage. And they beat the New York Subliners, who, which was you know their best win of this uh, set of qualifying matches. New York went 3-2 with the same record as Atlanta. But Atlanta also had a 10-8 map count which is obviously very low for them because they got swept by Minnesota and they lost 3-1 to Optic. Um, I'm not sure what to make of Atlanta. Like Usually for the entirety of the Ego Chow podcast, we've essentially chalked it up to like, all right, I'm going to pick Atlanta because they're the best team. And if they lose, I don't, I won't feel bad about it. But it's coming to a point now for me at least that I'm kind of doubting whether I should pick Atlanta if they go up against Optic or Minnesota or, you know, maybe even New York in a in a like in a good matchup maybe. I don't know. Like what do you think? Do you think that Atlanta like is there something wrong with Atlanta or are these teams just getting the better of them like on this specific day? No, I I think that that's what I was going to bring up before was just you know, so I think something is going wrong for Atlanta. I can't tell you what that is or, or pinpoint it or anything without actually talking to those guys. But um, kind of like you said, this is like the first time they've looked, quote unquote, mortal um, as this like core four lineup. So, um, yeah, I mean, I really wish I, I could give a more insightful answer. We, we know that... Um, Stellium has been playing really well, and they did recently have a role change. At least that's what they said on Twitter. Um, Arcides did between Arcides going from main AR to flex, Stellium going to main AR. But we, we've talked about that. Like, even on a map like Bokid, Stellium was still kind of running in AR when he was the flex. So um, it was a weird quote unquote role change. But regardless of that, yeah, this is definitely um, the most interested I'd say I am about FaZe going into a tournament. Um, I, I still think they have all the talent in the world and the potential to win this event. Um, but I would feel like, you know, I would have to go back and look, but I feel like at least since we've had this four man lineup on phase that, um, this would be the least confident I am in them to win a tournament heading into it for this one right now. Yeah, I'm definitely the least confident in phase as I've probably ever been, um, you know, like. They, I'm looking up their stats right now, and so this is just in the major three qualifiers. Obviously, uh, a relatively small sample size. Three and five in hard point. They were zero and two on uh, Berlin, one and two on Bokage, zero uh, and one on Gavutu, and two and zero on Tuscan. Four and one in search, three and two in control. So, like, obviously, by looking at that, you're like, hard point is probably the issue. Um, and they've been a really good hard point team this year. Uh, they're like before, uh, not including the kickoff or pro M classics, uh, or the most recent major three qualifiers, they were 24 and 10, uh, in hard point, um, 16 and 14 in search. So they were, you know, pretty almost 50, 50 and 13 and nine in control. So like that, the hard point, I guess is the big difference now, but I'm not sure like, what the difference is like what what is making them so much worse at hard point now and maybe it's the sample size maybe it'll all even out like once they get on land things will kind of uh shift the balance but to go from 24 and 10 before the prime classic and now they have uh, a losing record in hard point and uh i don't know i don't know what to make of it yep i, I really don't either i'm just excited well I wouldn't say I'm nervous because, you know, I'm not really yeah. a, fan, a fan, but um, I, I guess, and I, I don't think excited is the right word, but I'm just, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing win or lose what we get from FaZe uh, this coming weekend, because I think regardless of the outcome, we're going to have a lot to talk about uh, in terms of what we expect for them throughout the rest of the season, depending on how they perform at this major. Uh, certainly, uh, Paris and Toronto, Toronto swept Paris, uh, no real surprises there. Uh, unfortunately for the Paris's winning champs crew, uh, Seattle beat Florida three, one, which, um, 
I, I don't think that's an upset because I picked Florida, but I'm always ready to be disappointed by Florida. So a 3-1 win for the Surge. Uh, do you have any thoughts on those two matches? Uh, those were the first two matches of the weekend. No, I think we can move on. All right, we had Saturday. Uh, we had four matches that day. Atlanta versus LAG. So they uh, phased, bounced back with a 3-1 win over the Gorillas. Uh, Toronto uh, finished 2-0 on the week. They beat London 3-1. LAT beat Boston 3-0. And uh, New York, they uh, upset Optic. So this is uh, Optic's first loss with Prolute in the roster. Uh, the Subliners won 3-1 in the series. I think the Optic series is definitely the one that... Um, you know, st- uh, stuck out to me because we were talking about, you know, not even like the possibility of pro loot staying in the roster, but just like this kind of thought uh, in some fans heads that pro loot could stay on the optic Texas roster. Um, even if Illy is ready, uh, ready to d- return, which um, it doesn't appear that way, at least uh, that we know of. But um, what did you think of the subliners beating optic? Yeah, I think that was the most uh, surprising outcome on this day, um, filing through those matchups real quick, you know, um, Atlanta with the bounce back in, you know, like the consecutive matches, they were the last match there on Friday and immediately have to come back into action against LAG, who've had their own issues since winning that major too, but regardless, it was an important win um, for them to get for seeding purposes, and, you know, we would be probably... uh, having a much different attitude towards phase if they had lost that match, for example. So um, that was good to see, I guess, for Atlanta fans. Uh, Toronto versus London 3-1, I, I don't think that was necessarily surprising either. London just hasn't uh, performed necessarily well since Harry has replaced Gizmo in the lineup due to personal reasons and him going back home. And uh, I guess LAT over Boston could have been somewhat surprising um, regardless of how you look at it. Um, the fact that it was a 3-0, a little bit interesting, but as you pointed out, Boston did kind of struggle in these online qualifiers this time around. Um, Octane and Envoy both had standout performances individually in game one and two, respectively. Um, so those were interesting matches. But yeah, the Optic New York one definitely stands out. I think most people were expecting Optic to take that one. And, um, you know, there's just Optic only won the control. Um, that's a little surprising. We have talked about, you know, with, since New York brought in Kismet, I don't have the exact numbers like you might, um, but it certainly seems like their hard point is much better than earlier in the season when New York was unable to win a hard point whatsoever. Um, and in this matchup against Optic in particular, they win both hard points. Uh, they win the search 6-5, um, and they lose the control, but um, the map one 250-166, not necessarily close. The 3-1 control, you know, it's not overtime, whatever. But a 6-5 in the search and a 250-224, um, those are both close maps. So uh, it was a hard-fought series, I, I just think. Um, certainly threw a wrench in some people's plans, and I don't know um, exactly what the tiebreaker would have been for uh, Minnesota and Optic. It probably would have come down to map count or something, but... Uh, for Rocker fans, obviously, that, that was a big result for them to get the first seed heading into the major. Yeah, so um, New York is 7-2 and two in the qualifying matches with Kismet and Hardpoint. So that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty surprised with this result. Um, I mean, it's, it's obvious. Like, Optic uh, was seen as the better team. New York... Like, you know, I'm not saying that they're bad or anything, but I think they're probably middle of the road. Um, but Shotzi had probably his worst series in a while in this one. Like, he went 15 and 25 in hard point in the first hard point, 1 and 10 in search. Like, when is Shotzi going to drop a, a breadstick in search? And and it was a round 11 for New York. Um, he, he did kind of turn it around in games th- uh, three and four. Uh, but. I mean, uh, a round 11 that went New York's way and a 26-point win for New York uh, on that game for hard point. Like, it's a relatively close series that realistically could have went 3-1 optic. It, it didn't, uh, but in, in New York definitely deserves uh, credit for that. Um, but I'm not putting a lot of weight into it just because 
Optic has shown, at least in those first four matches, that they're better than this, and Shotzi in particular is better than this. I don't expect those kind of performances out of him because he's probably one of the the few MVP candidates this uh, so far this season. Like he's played really, really well. So if um, you know he plays like his normal self, he's he's they're very capable of beating anybody right now. Agreed. Um, but yeah, uh, I I don't really have any other thoughts on the other matches on Saturday, so let's just move on to Sunday. The final three matches, uh, Seattle versus London. Seattle 3-0'd uh, the Royal Ravens. Um, and uh, one note uh, that I saw uh, via Carson CLS on Twitter, uh, works for Esports Engine uh, and, and does stats for them. Seattle in this set of qualifying matches are 15-1 and in control round count. So they, they've won all five of their controls and they've only lost one of the 16 rounds in that in uh, in those games, which I thought was very interesting. And uh, we've talked about how control can be a, a swing game mode for teams to kind of turn the tide if they have a rough uh, start to the series. So uh, a pretty interesting uh, little tidbit there. Uh, Florida-Boston, um, this is the one I want to talk about. Uh, we also have Optic LAT. So Optic, uh, they uh, bounced back. They swept the Thieves. Uh, Shotzi did his thing, and uh, they finished off the Thieves. Um, but yeah, Florida-Boston, let's talk about it. Because this was a pretty important game for both of these teams because they were both on the edge of dropping down into the loser's bracket uh, because I believe heading in they were both 1-3. and three, And with a loss, they would have been 1-4 and four and probably would have been um, uh, going to the loser's bracket, finishing in the bottom four of, uh, of the set of qualifying matches. They go to game five, uh, search and destroy, get to round 11, and the game crashes. That's usually not that big of a deal other than like the momentum, but TJ had a glide bomb in that for that round 11, and uh, it turns out that that could have been um, a really big thing for that round. And the CDL decided to uh, not give him the glide bomb and replay uh, replay that final round, and Florida ends up winning that uh, that round, that game, and that series goes to two and three. Florida survives. They uh, will be in the winners bracket of the, uh, or yeah, they will be in the winners bracket. We'll talk about the tiebreaker in just a little bit. But uh, Florida, they're in the winners bracket. Boston one and four will go down to the losers bracket uh, at the beginning of major three. Um, I don't like. I want to hear your thoughts on it because I know that they haven't done it. I don't think at all this season of giving teams streaks uh, after game crashes, but I want to hear what you think. Like, what are your thoughts on the situation? What do you think the CDL should have done um, if this was the Bink uh, duty league? Well, we've it's tough because we've seen that the CDL is willing or at least trying to implement um, some new technology and stuff. I, I don't know if we've really seen it this year, actually. I think we might have a couple times, um, but I, I could be wrong. You know, we've had the break, long season. Um, regardless, but I'm I'm referring to the timeout feature um, that we saw predominantly in Cold War last year. Um, I don't think it would have really helped um, in this situation. Uh, the only thing that could have helped would have been what uh, they have in League of Legends is the Chrono Break, where they're able to, like, you know, go back in time, um, bring a game back to um, a certain point that's already happened, and, you know, if a bug occurs or something like that. Um, so the technology is out there, just not in the CDL. So then it just becomes a question of what is it going to take for Call of Duty to get access to that technology or to implement it. Um you know, it could be a resources thing. It could even be, you know, like maybe the developers can't implement it into Call of Duty as a game specifically for whatever reason. I don't really know. But um, the ability to do something like that is out there where they could have, you know, reverted to before the crash because 
Um, as far as it showed on broadcast, it could have happened like in between rounds, but it looked like it was like right at the start of round 11 that two players on Boston dropped out because like the players were still moving forward at the start of the round 11 and then the game lobby crashed um, or it closed. I think it, was, it might have been manually closed. Um, but regardless, with like something like a chrono break technology, they could have, in theory, just reverted back to the end of round 10. Florida wins that round, and then we're into round 11 where TJ has the glide. The other thing I've seen uh, discussed online, which is a little weird to me, but it makes sense in theory, is that um, the CDL could have had like just wasted two rounds upon the restart. Um, giving TJ seven kills to let him get the glide bomb and then played the round 11 from there. Um, but I feel like that would have been super confusing and it might not have been, confu been confusing to more hardcore fans, but um, we've already at least heard rumblings that like part of the theory behind the CDL not doing two best of five grand finals and doing best of nine instead is to try to simplify it from more casual fans. I feel like doing the like, you know, giving seven free kills or whatever, and then seeing at the restart that it would have been like in theory 2-0 for Boston already when they have to have the graphic up that says it's 5-5 and whatever, like the numbers might have been confusing for casual fans. Um, I don't know. So I really don't know if there's a perfect solution in that regard. Um, but I do think, you know, if there was a way for Call of Duty to get its own version or a version of that Chrono Break technology that we see in League Esports, um, that would be beneficial. And we would obviously, you know, in theory, avoid situations like this moving forward. Yeah, uh, some kind of feature would be really helpful because we... Like, I don't know how many times, um, you know, game crashes have happened this year. Dozens of times, like during official matches, probably so many times uh, in practice or in uh, for the challengers guys that are playing online every weekend. Like, it probably happens a lot. It would be incredible for everybody if they had that technology and were able to essentially just go back to whenever the game crashed. And it's like, all right, we're going to pick up from right here um that like that has to be a priority for the for the devs like i know that competitive is not seemingly a huge priority for the developers but if if these teams start having to pay their franchise fees and they're paying toward their 25 million i think those teams deserve like and the players definitely deserve a chance to like not be shafted here like i i feel really bad for boston it would have been one thing if this happened in boston won that round and then you're like okay like at least it didn't play into the the result but it very well may have like changed the result of this match like it it's very feasible that boston would have won that round and the match and got out of loser's bracket, or yeah, started in the winner's bracket for Major 3, and I don't think that they'll end up being in the bottom four of the CDL come champs time, but I certainly don't want like that, that specific moment in May to have affected them like greatly when it comes to August, and that could happen like theoretically, um, but yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Like it's 2022, uh, I I put I tweeted about it like it's been nearly a decade until since the first champs uh, uh, was held and that was in I think March 2013 so it's been over nine years and like we still don't have the technology for this kind of stuff like to just go back in time just to like all right or just to create a game with a set of circumstances like it could have just been zero zero but tj has seven kills or tj has a glide bomb that's it like start the round whoever wins this round it's over like i i don't know it just it seems really dumb and i understand that the the cdl themselves are kind of hand tied by a lot of this because it's not like they're developing the game they can make suggestions they can ma make requests like this is something the the call of duty fans really want this is something that could really help us out but that doesn't mean that infinity ward or treyarch or sledgehammer or any of these uh, developing studios will actually listen to them so i i think it's frustrating for them i'm sure it is but in this specific scenario like 
if you have to make a, a maybe they don't want to but if you had to make an exception i think this would have been it like just do the seven kills like let you know make um florida run down mid and let tj pick up seven kills and then start round three with him with a glide bomb and then just play it normally or whatever i i just I, i'm really disappointed in this because i don't want this to like this was probably this and the tiebreaker were the things that people were talking about and those are not the things that you want people talking about when you're you know you're coming out of a your final cdl weekend before a major we uh, have a surprise squid appearance. Our uh, um, our junior ego chap correspondent <laughs> making an appearance. Um, the the only thing I was gonna bring up and think we can move on after that is that um, although the glide bomb is arguably the best streak in mm. Vanguard, just due to a lack of viable streaks from a competitive standpoint, it is def it is not a tactical nuke. It is not a guaranteed round win. It is very easy to call in a glide bomb and not get. Um, any kills from it and potentially any information if the if the other team is aware of it and has cold blooded on um, the one situation that stands out to me I don't remember it might have been at major two um, but there was an SD where Florida Florida was playing on Berlin against optic they won the SD 6-1 skies dropped 10 plus kills I don't remember the final number but the only round that Florida lost was the round where Skies used the glide bomb because everybody on Optic, they knew he had the glide, they all had cold-blooded on, so Skies calls in the glide bomb, is a sitting duck, has no information for his teammates, and then somebody on uh, Florida dies, their demand disadvantage, and Optic is able to win that round uh, despite the streak usage. So um, I do think it is important to note that although long-term and certainly even short-term that a, a feature to allow for mistakes and you know bugs whatever to be fixed in real time is extremely important um in this scenario the glide bomb wasn't like an auto win for boston in any sense like it's very feasible that florida knew tj had a glide and could have had cold-blooded on and that you know tj calls it in beginning around 11 gets no information um also due to it being on berlin they're um the A bomb site is like completely inside, so if Florida knows he has the glide bomb, they could have just went to A, and that also neutralizes the glide bomb to as far as I can uh, recall. And to most extents, it would be extremely hard if everybody on Florida was inside for TJ to get a kill with it. Um, so yeah, although you know it would be nice for A fix to come in here, you know it, it's important to point out that despite how. Um, negative this situation has been viewed and rightfully so um it, it, it's certainly not like you know i don't want to say boston got screwed out of a win because the glide bomb is an advantage but um they it wasn't an automatic win just because mm -hmm. they had a glide bomb and they didn't have it for the replay yeah that's a good point uh do you have any thoughts on optic lat or seattle london um no, you mentioned Seattle won 3-0 against London. That's pretty mm -hmm. expected. Um, Optic LAT was a 3-0, kind of expected. Maybe not a 3-0, but uh, kind of like you pointed out, Shotzi uh, played much better compared to the New York series, won 42-17 and 17 in the game one uh, against LAT. So that just shows kind of what you were saying. You know, Shotzi's firing in all cylinders. Um, this Optic team is very dangerous, even with a substitute. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's get to the tiebreaker. The grand finale of uh, these qualifying matches. So because um, uh, LAT and Florida, so LAT, they get swept in the last match of the day, 3-0. Florida wins that, um, that controversial uh, match over Boston right before that. So they end up in a tie uh, for 7th, 8th place. Well, we couldn't do a coin flip, obviously. We couldn't just like randomly assign seeds so florida and lat are forced to play another best of five immediately following lat's match against optic and uh this is for seeding not for anyone to get into the winner's bracket or the loser's bracket or whatever so these teams lat and florida they seemingly don't take it as seriously as one would take a cdo match Florida uh, ultimately wins 3-0, but uh, guys are using different guns. The CDL, 
um, in a very poor, uh, a poor, uh, judgment, um, the CDL puts up on their game fuel keys to victory for the Florida Mutineers, quote, throw in some accidental team kills. Winner of this match plays Optic in Major 3, loser opposite side of the bracket. So the the CDL um, actively saying, maybe throw this game so you don't play Optic, so you play Minnesota instead. Uh, Daniel Say, the general manager of the CDL, responded to Crone's tweet, um, uh, the screenshot of that image. And uh, Daniel said, we try to make our broadcast fun and push the lines in good taste. Obviously, this was a joke, but it shouldn't have been put up there full stop. I agree with Daniel. Um, I think like you can make those jokes. I think you can make those jokes on the broadcast, especially if the teams don't seem like they're taking it very seriously. But uh, I think an underrated point about this stuff is that you can bet on these matches like you like i know that uh the place that i usually bet like i've seen cdl matches i don't know if they had the qual or this tiebreaker because it was a impromptu match but i'm pretty sure you could bet on barstools sports books um so like that kind of stuff is important that's the stuff that csgo teams were getting banned for like you bet on things and like i'm not saying that these guys are throwing to do that but like there's money on the line in in some of these instances so like even promoting or suggesting that a team should throw this is not in good taste because of that um also this probably shouldn't have even happened because aches ma- made a very good point he tweeted that the the only reason or the only scenario in which this makes sense is if the winner got to choose who they play. So if LAT won, they could choose, all right, I want to play Minnesota or I want to play Optic. Like that's the only way it made sense in Aix's mind. And I think that would probably be the best scenario because we've had that in the CDL before where we uh, we would do group seedings or group, um, you know, like selections and teams would kind of pick who they want to, be in their group like i think that makes more sense but what do you think about this this whole tiebreaker scenario the cdo um you know foolishly putting up a graphic suggesting throwing what do you think about that yeah um definitely a weird one i i didn't see the daniel tweets i'm glad you uh pointed that out i'm glad the cdo at least addressed the graphic but um i do agree with you the way that it was worded and that keys to victory definitely could have been um worded better like just off the top of my mind um i know they had something similar the first bullet point for the um la thieves key to victory because this is just the florida one but like you know um optic had literally just three owed lat before this tiebreaker so like maybe the key to victory instead of saying like throw in some team kills it could say like avoid deja vu question mark like if lat uh wins they have to play optic again or something like that um which is like kind of hinting at it's not really hinting at throwing but it's just insinuating uh what would happen based on the outcome of the tiebreaker so um there were some creative ways around the wording that could have been done better but i'm glad uh you pointed out daniel's tweet and that the cdl at least addressed it um but yeah regardless of all that it's just a very weird situation and um i don't want to say it was apparent that LAT was uh, throwing. I don't think that's fair to say at all, just because, you know, like you pointed out, like we're the Tommy gun is a gun we've seen recently used in official matches by guys like Temp. Um, I can't think of some other names off the top of my head, but it, it actually has been seen some minor use on specific maps. Um, so it's not necessarily like they were running around with shotguns and LMGs, right? Like, um, it was just a slightly off-meta weapon, and both teams were using it. I think that's important um, to point out here. So, um, certainly an interesting situation. I think the tougher thing that a lot of people are going to go back to, though, is just that, you know, with the fact that LAT just got swept by Optic, they most likely didn't want to have to play them first round in the major back-to-back again. Um, but the craziest part about that to me is that in theory, um, if these teams, you know, we're not saying they were purposely throwing, but if they were, um, 
that would mean they're potentially trying not to play an optic team with a sub it's not even optic at full strength potentially um that's kind of crazy to me and i think nameless was actually tweeting out a lot of stuff about um how he would feel if he was on minnesota and that that's another interesting takeaway here is that you know it, it could be a little disrespect towards minnesota depending on how they feel about it because they just went five and zero in these qualifiers and um allegedly teams are trying to play them despite them being undefeated mm -hmm. um play them instead of optic like um certainly an interesting one it could you know um that there could be a situation now where we see minnesota just absolutely smoke lats at the major and then we get a super spicy post-game interview um that would be prime content i think but yeah this was i, I mean i wasn't even expecting a tiebreaker um so it was certainly a very strange situation that I just hope um, moving forward um, there might be a slightly different approach. Yeah, uh, I think so. Jcap was uh, fighting for his life on the, yeah. uh, the timeline. He was defending his team and their thought process going into this. Um, and he said that they he didn't even know that Optic was the second seed uh and that they shouldn't be you know tr they should be trying to lose just in case like you know they'd have to play them if they won um so he, he basically defended his team uh and i think nubsy kind of made a, a very good point he said i would like to point out there is a difference between throwing and a lack of trying not uh not saying one or the other was going on but seems worth considering and i think that's a good point i think that you know I'm, i don't i don't think that like Kenny and Octane were like, yeah, let's lose this game, guys. Like playing Minnesota, the five and O team that just swept Atlanta, like that's a much better scenario than playing Optic with Pro Loot. Like I don't think that they're actively trying to lose, but I don't like. Jcap said they were trying to work on their their maps that, you know, they weren't strong in, but they were also using a, a different gun on top of that. Like that's a lot of variables to be throwing at a team. Like usually if you, I feel like if you would want to practice your bad maps, you would want to practice like it was the match, right? Like you would want to practice like, all right, let's try everything. Let's, let's work on our strategies. Let's work on our breakoffs, like that kind of stuff uh, with the guns that we'll probably be using. I know that, you know, you can try out guns and stuff, but I also think that, these teams weren't really like that into it and like understandably so like it's they're gonna have to play a good team regardless of if they win or lose and like i just don't think there's a a big point or like even much of a point to even play these matches like for a tiebreaker for seeding like if this was uh eight and nine okay play that because I want to see a team decide whether they get in the winners or losers bracket, but seven, eight seed. So they play either the first or second best team. I don't think there's much of a need for that. Like if the teams can like, you know, coin flip or whatever, maybe the, the quickest victories, I don't even know. Like, I just don't think that this match should have been played because it opened up this can of worms of like whether a team should be throwing or not trying their best to win an actual CDL match. So, uh, Agreed. yeah, I'm not really sure. Uh, maybe, maybe down the road, the CDL will have a different, um, plan of attack and they'll do something different to make sure that these kinds of matches where it's only seeding and, um, there's no like actual, uh, like, you know, real advantage to the matches. Maybe they'll get rid of them. Uh, maybe that's something that uh, they'll do down the road. Uh, let's talk about the major, though. Um, we've we spent enough time talking about um, these qualifying matches, but they were qualifying or trying to get these seeds for the, the third major of the Call of Duty League season, which will take place in Toronto, um, which will be the first international CDL event, if I'm not mistaken, right? London, uh, London. Well, London home series, yeah. yeah. 
So the first one in two years, let's say. Um, first one in Canada. Uh, th this is the Toronto Ultras uh, major. They will be hosting this one. Um, in the winner's bracket, we have the top eight teams from these qualifying matches. So the number one seed Minnesota Rocker will play the LA Thieves. Uh, the Toronto Ultra will play Atlanta Phase. Optic Texas against the Florida Mutineers and the Seattle Surge versus the New York Subliners. And in the loser's bracket, we have the bottom four teams, the Boston Breach, Paris Legion, LA Gorillas, and London Royal Ravens. They will each play the losers of um, the first round of winner's bracket matches. Um, I don't think we need to go through the whole bracket because it's kind of overplayed, uh, but... What are you most excited um, about for this major? What are you looking forward to? And um, give me your winner. Who do you think's coming out on top in the uh, the Toronto Ultra Major Three? Well, for starters, there I think the winner of this is the most ambiguous. It's been all season, certainly, and mm -hmm. arguably even like potentially in the history of the CDL, at least last two years. Maybe you go back to MW. There might have been. Um, a time where you had, you know, like Florida, um, Atlanta, and Dallas all, all winning those home series, a little different format, all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have Minnesota sitting at 5-0 and here in the qualifiers coming into the event. Optic has looked strong, but again, they have a sub, and then, you know, you always got to respect um, Atlanta, so um, that's interesting. And on the other side, they're, you know, the, the home team has won 50% of the majors this year. So, um, Optic won their opening major, and then Minnesota got last place at theirs. So, um, Toronto certainly, in my eyes, is going to be looking for something in between. But who knows? It would it would be uh, pretty cool for the home crowd probably um, to see uh, Toronto lift a trophy, especially with their roller coaster of a season so far. Um, but I think that's, in my eyes, the most interesting first round matchup is Ultra versus Phase. Um, just due to recent circumstances, you know, question marks around phase, um, earlier question marks throughout this season about Toronto, especially in hard point, you were kind of pointing out phase haven't looked um, super strong in hard point recently. So, um, you know, phase is now in a position to kind of used to being the villain. So um, facing a tough Toronto crowd in theory, um, how they react to that will be interesting to see in my eyes. Uh, there's a lot of cool storylines behind that one in general, but I also, you know, as I pointed out, the Rocker versus Thieves, um, that could be a potential banger in terms of, you know, post-game storylines and drama, depending on the results. Um, and then, you know, it might be the least, you know, of the four first-round matchups, Surge versus Subwiners from, like, a viewership standpoint, it might have the lowest viewership of those four matchups because, you know, uh, Rocker versus Thieves, they have the uh, the Thieves boost there a little bit. Phase, Ultra Phase has, gets good viewership, and then Optic, obviously Optic gets the best viewership. Um, so Surge Seattle, or sorry, Surge Subliners on paper might be like the lowest viewed matchup on um, the first round of winner's bracket, but it could, in theory, be like the most coin toss of a matchup in my eyes. I could see either team taking that one. Yeah, I think uh, I I think Minnesota beating the Thieves is like, I, I see that happening, obviously, and I think FaZe will beat Ultra, but Ultra's looked better in hard point recently. Atlanta hasn't been looking as strong recently in that game mode. So maybe that is a toss-up. And like you mentioned, who knows how the crowd will play a factor. Um, at least for the you know the viewers at home, it'll probably be crazy to have you know the home team against one of the best teams, the defending world champions. Um, I think that'll be a, a really cool sight to see. Um, I'm not sure how much it'll play into the result, but I, I'm very much excited for that match. Optic Mutineers, you never know what you're going to get with Florida. They could 3-0 Optic. They could get run off, uh, run off the stage uh, by Optic as well. And Surge Subliners, I have really no idea what to expect out of that because we've, you know, Subliners were pretty bad for most of the season so far, but they've kind of turned things around recently. Um, Surge have also kind of struggled throughout the season, and they look like a, a, 
a pretty decent team at the moment, especially in control. They're they're a very good control team, so um, possibly that plays into it. Um, but you know, I I think that um, I I really want to see Minnesota and Phase match up again, just to see where these two teams are, or, you know, uh, relative to each other, because we, we saw it online. Okay, it's online. People kind of dismiss that. We have another chance to see it on land. Let's see what you guys are made of. If uh, if Minnesota can beat FaZe again, can FaZe uh, you know, get their revenge over Minnesota? Uh, I'm very interested to see. Um, as for the winner of this tournament, I am like, I have no idea. Like, so I, I'm not going to go with FaZe because I, I can't, I can't in good conscience do that after they were just swept by the number one seed heading into this tournament. And I can't do that when they haven't been able to beat Optic like pretty much at all this season. So like those are two teams that I have to put up there. I'm going to say that Optic wins this, but I'm very much like, I'm very unsure of what's going to happen because Prolute, uh, we don't really know what we're going to get, right? Like he, he seems like a great player, but this is also uh, a, a big stage for him. And Call of Duty is is kind of random. Uh, it can be a coin flip sometimes, and you know the coin might not land the way you want it to. Uh, so uh, I'm gonna go with Optic, but uh, I'm I'm really interested. Probably the most interested that I've been in a major, just because of how many teams at the top are trying to you know grab the power in the CDO. Yep, I agree. I'll pick Phase just for the sake of picking Phase. Um, definitely, as I said, the least confident I've ever been in picking phase to win a major, but um, still believe in the talent on that roster and the penta, the potential they have to uh, turn things around. And, you know, they have been in the grand finals of both majors so far this year. So to see them back there, despite some uh, recent bumps in the road, wouldn't be entirely surprising in my eyes. Yep. Um, I think it has to be noted, like the gorillas, they're coming in with uh you know defending major champions major two champions uh they are starting in the losers bracket where uh they they really made a killing on uh last time so maybe uh they'll get some of the of that magic with them uh they play the loser of texas and florida which is um i mean personally i would really want optic to win their first round matchup then because i i don't want to play optic in the losers bracket of round one um, but, uh, I, I guess we'll see, uh, what happens in this tournament. Uh, again, uh, tune in, uh, to the CDL YouTube channel. I think it's, it starts Thursday, June 2nd, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and I'll go through Sunday. Uh, so make sure to check it all out, uh, on the CDL YouTube channel. Um, our predictions, uh, so we'll make daily predictions. We'll send it to each other. We'll put it on Twitter. We are tied now. It's we haven't we haven't been tied uh, since we started zero zero because I think you've been leading the entire time, but uh, I went seven and three last week. You went six and four. We're both sixty seven and forty nine. I think that's a pretty good win percentage for us. Mm -hmm. um, so sixty seven and forty nine for both of us. I I have to think we won't be tied after the major. Uh, just the way things go. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that about does it uh, for this episode. Uh, make sure to, uh, you have anything before I do my outro stuff? I was just going to say, let's just run through the first round real quick. We don't have to really get All right, sweet. or anything like that. Um, I'm going to go Minnesota over Thieves, Phase over Ultra, Optic over, uh, Mutineers, and then I'm going to go Seattle over New York. I think that might be the only one we're different in. Yeah, I go Minnesota over Thieves, Phase over Ultra, Optic over Mutineers, and New York over seattle i don't know uh, that one's hard for me but i'll go with new york i guess um i think that's that's the one matchup really this first round that could go either way which although you know obviously they all could go either way but i think that's the closest one so on i'm going with optic you're going with phase to win the tournament let's just say our four teams that get bottom four because right now breach legion gorillas and royal ravens those are the four teams that are starting in the losers bracket but right but you would have so you think that the thieves will play boston which of those teams wins that i mean i i gotta go with the thieves just because we just saw that match online when thieves swept them so 
Yeah, so the Boston would get bottom four, which is a pretty big surprise if you know you're just going by like the first half of the season. Um, yep. Toronto versus Legion. I don't think it matters. I think Paris loses to either team. Yeah. Well, yeah, I definitely think they lose if it's Atlanta. Um, <laughs> I agree with you. Uh, so we would both think that Florida would play the Gorillas. Yeah, I think Florida takes that. And London versus, so in your scenario, it would be New York. All right. I don't think it matters here either. <laughs> I think London, I think all four of these teams, just based on current performances, you got to expect those would be the four teams to bow out first. The only one that I am not as confident on is Florida LAG because okay. I could realistically see LAG beating Florida in a best of five. Um, but yeah, I, I think that in most scenarios, like these bottom four teams are. Like at, at right now, like the way that they're currently performing, they're the four worst teams. Yeah, I think we just, I feel like we just saw Florida versus LAG. I'm trying to go back. Yeah, on May 20th, that might have been the first match or second match with Gunless back in the lineup for LAG. Uh, not 100%, but Florida beat them 3-1. LAG won the search 6-5, and Florida won the response. Yeah. Oh, one thing that we didn't mention, LAT, I believe they went 3-0, and like they either won 3-0 and or lost in 3-0 and in every single match. I saw match. that, yeah. That's so, kind of funny. Including their tiebreaker. So it's, uh, I don't know, like they're, they're not having, yeah, they're not having a good time, I guess. Um, but yeah, that does it for the show. Uh, CDO Major 3 starts on Thursday, uh, goes through Sunday. Um, make sure to subscribe or like or follow uh, the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. We're at, on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. Uh, make sure to give us a five-star rating on uh, whatever you're listening on. Follow us on Twitter. He's at jbank with two Ks. I'm at presbyers. And the podcast Twitter is at egochowpodcast. Uh, the next show um, is set for June 7th, maybe June 8th, maybe June 9th. We'll see. Uh, it depends on softball and, uh, you know, how things go with that. Um, but yeah, that, uh, does it for the show. Uh, bank, take it away. Yeah. Thank you guys as always for tuning in. I'm really looking forward to this major kind of like we've talked about throughout this show. Um, think a handful of teams have a legitimate shot to take the tournament. So, uh, we should be set for a good round of matchup or, you know, just some good Call of Duty action over there, you know, end of this week. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, if for whatever reason you guys aren't able to tune to the matches, you can check out .esports.com. Uh, we'll be covering the event, uh, you know, just thoroughly on there. So um, for whatever reason you can't watch, head over there. You can catch some quick recaps and whatnot on the results. Um, and, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed. And as always, remember to send the chow.